This is uh, technically my second time to preach in this building. We got rained out for one of our outdoor evening gatherings and had an amazing time there. And it is amazing to have been on staff since July 1. That's when I was hired. My name is Kevin Bear. I'm the lead pastor here. If I haven't met you yet, I am so sorry. I'm glad to be able to meet you today. Um, and uh, this is technically my second time to be here. This is my first Sunday morning here. But I think for many of us, who has not been in a physical church service since March? Who has not been in a service? Oh, the fact that we get together, finally. Y'all feeling good? Oh my gosh, praise the Lord. And we get to celebrate today a birthday. And it's Bayou City Fellowship's birthday. And in most parties you go to, you actually celebrate someone else, right? So you go to the party and you bring a present for that person that you're celebrating their birthday. But here's what's true about the church. The church isn't about some other entity. The church is made up of people. And so if Bayou City is your home, it actually is your birthday. And so we're actually celebrating our nine-year-old birthday uh, as Bayou City Fellowship together, the people. All right, amen? I think that's worth celebrating. And because of that, um, I actually have birthday cards to give to you because it is your birthday. And so the uh, first one, um, I, I would just ask this. Uh, is there a, a young uh, kid that would like one of these? A young kid? Oh, we have a young? Oh, hand went up. She went up first. Okay, so sorry, sorry, sorry. So, I mean, if you were willing to receive a gift, here's your birthday card. All right, I want you to stand right here and you hold on to that gift. You stay right there. All right. And then I would love someone um, of the more seasoned persuasion, um, someone that has had a long love of the Lord who'd be willing to receive a gift, to come up to receive a gift. Anyone? 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 If you're over, how old are you? She's about to turn 10. So if you're older 10, you qualify as a seasoned uh, saint. So come on, if you're over 10, work your way up. This, you, you got to work your way forward. You got to work your way forward. Anyone, I'm going to call a name. This is going to be so terrible. Come on, come on, come on. Anyone, anyone, anyone. All right, I will come to you. <laughs> Would you be willing to receive a gift? Okay, here you guys go. Here you guys go. All right, all right. Hold on right there. Hold on right there. Okay, now here's the part. Here's the crucial part of the gift. If you receive a gift, how do you show you appreciate the gift? You say thank you, that's very sweet. That is good parenting, well done. But to really rightly appreciate the gift, you've got to open the gift and enjoy it. So please, open your gift as it is right now. Go ahead and open your gift. You can tear into it. Go, 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 go. Go, go, go. Yes. Here's a card. Sorry, the first service, someone got an actual present. But this is okay. Go, open the card. You got to open the card. Open the card. Go open, open up. What do you got? What do you got? Chick-fil-A gift card. Come on. Great job. You can go back and go grab a seat. And you got a, is that a Sonic one? Oh, you got a Sonic gift card. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. $10 gift cards for you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday with a gift card. We get to celebrate a birthday, and really it's our birthday. It's our birthday. We get to be a part of Bayou City Fellowship and what God has doing in this church throughout the past nine years. And, and really, Bayou City Fellowship is founded on three major statements, three vision statements. The first one is this, a radical focus on Jesus Christ. 
Secondly, that a church that is for the city and for the world. And thirdly, that we would be about planting churches. Tom Ball, we are here as part of, of that vision that has gone forward, a radical focus on Jesus, being for the city and for the world. And thirdly, about planting churches. And, and we're here to celebrate the work of God in this community that we get to be a part of. That's a, that is worth celebrating. But it actually to celebrate the gift requires us to do something. It requires us to take that vision, that mission, that gift of, of, first of all, salvation. You can have salvation by faith alone in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, saying, I'm a sinner, I know I'm not right with God, and you believe in Jesus' death for you, you are saved, and that is a free gift that God gives to us. But secondly, you receive the gift of this body, receiving the gift of being part of this community. In order to rightly respond to that great gift, it means that we need to first look at the life that Jesus lives. And so if we look at the life that Jesus lives, we will first of all move like Jesus moves. So we can see like Jesus sees, so ultimately we can live like Jesus lives. So uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Matthew chapter 9 starting in verse 35. Let me read it for us and continue along. Chapter 9, verse 35. It says this, Now Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. Now when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. What we see in this section of scripture is really uh, what Jesus does in the world. When he landed on the scene, he did three major things that we need to do. We see his action. We see his, his movement in his action. We see his healing that he does. And we see that he calls the disciples to be a part of that. And if we want to take the gift that we have in Bayou City Fellowship and actually appreciate the gift, it means that we, first of all, we have to move like Jesus moves. To see what he does and to do those similar things. In verse 35, it says this, that he went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The first thing we see about Jesus is this. He moves. Jesus wasn't stationary. He was never stationary. He says that he went. The, the Greek word went means to go about from place to place with significant changes in direction to travel about. Jesus was never stationary in life. He moved into people's lives and he went to people. He didn't wait for people to come to him. My, I'm teaching my kids uh, how to play basketball, my two sons. I have an eight-year-old son, Micah, and a seven-year-old son, Jesse. And we, have a, we live in this a nice little cul-de-sac, and I love living on a cul-de-sac because we bring the basketball goal into the middle of the street on the cul-de-sac, and we play basketball. And so we're playing this weekend, and I'm teaching one of my sons um, how to move to the ball. And so one of the sons will be up there, and you have the ball, and I go, okay, you're right there. I need you to run to get open. And he stands there behind the defender and goes, pass the ball. And I'm like, okay, buddy, you've got you've to run past the guy to get open and then go. And he goes, okay, okay. 
I'm like, dude, I can never give you the ball if you won't move. He's like, okay, okay, okay. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's how a lot of us respond to the Christian life. We're like, Jesus, I'm standing here. Like, I've been standing here for a while. I'm here. When will you do something great? When will we see amazing miracle? When will we see you move in an amazing way? And we're, and we, we're, we're not moving. We're just static in our faith. And, and what we see in Jesus' life is, no, no, he's constantly moving. He's constantly engaged. And if we're not willing to move, if we're standing still, we're at a position or we're not ready to make a play. And what we see in the life of Jesus, he is moving. But as he's moving, he's not moving aimlessly. He's moving strategically. He is strategic in what he is doing. It says in verse 37, verse 35, that he's going to the synagogues and he's teaching the gospel of the kingdom. See, I think uh, during this season, COVID has been a tremendous gift to us in this one way. Lots of ways it's been terrible. In this one way, it has been a gift. It's been a dramatic pause button on all of life. It's been a moment where, where God has said, you can't do anything. And he's pressed pause on your life. And I don't know what your life was like pre-COVID, but my life was extremely busy. I was going from dance practice to dance practice, sporting event to sporting event, meeting to meeting. My life was very, very congested. And, and when God pressed that pause button, it was, it was almost like a, a car crash. I mean, it was almost like I was like jolted to a stop. And then I was like, what are we going to do? Like, I don't know, we're, we're, our family's right here. And like, we're all here. And can we go anywhere? No. I was like, I, was like, I would love to just go bowling. And my wife's like, bowling? Why? It's just all dirty. And I'm like, I know something to go to together. I actually enjoy bowling. But something to do together. And, and it just, this stop made us not be able to do anything. And I think for many of us, we, we hurt because we lost our busyness because if you were honest with yourself, you were like an octopus on roller skates. A lot of movement, but not a lot of progress. And COVID could have been a gift in this sense. You get the opportunity to be strategic in your life, not just busy with your life. And Jesus was constantly moving, but he was very strategic. He says he went to, the, to teach in the synagogues. The synagogues were the place where... Um, people would gather to worship God in their local communities. There was the temple in Jerusalem, but each city would have its own synagogue. And that's where people that were spiritually curious would go to learn more about God. And so he started by first going to the people that were spiritually curious and started teaching them about the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus would go there and say, hey, I'm the king. I'm the one you're looking for. I am the king. I'm the promised Messiah who will bring restoration in all of life as, into how it was meant to be. He started preaching the gospel of the kingdom. God is near and I am bringing a new message of salvation to you. And it says he was healing every sort of disease. That was amazing. Everyone that was sick would come and he would immediately heal them. And some of us, when we read that in Scripture, we go, I'm not sure, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not sure if I believe in those miraculous moments in the Scripture. I'm, un, I'm unsure of that. Because we assume that miracles are a suspension of the natural order. Like miracles take what is normal and that it does something completely different. But in actuality, what Jesus is doing is demonstrating a restoration of the natural order. See, the world was never meant to be broken. 
The world was never meant to have disease or sickness or pain. And Jesus, when he is doing each one of these miracles, is showing, I am a king bringing an entirely new kingdom. And in my kingdom, disease flees. And in my kingdom, the broken are healed. Tim Keller in his book, The Reason for God, says this. His miracles are not just proofs that he has the power, but also a wonderful foretaste of what he's going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. You see, God is still doing amazing things in and through his people. Do they look like this? Maybe, sometimes. But let me tell you what, you're part of Bayou City Fellowship that has seen amazing miracles over its existence. There's been amazing financial provision. The Cypress Campus in particular the gift of the Cypress campus and the financial provision that was provided for that, um, having um, other companies buy that facility and, and gift it to Bayou City. Like, I just, where does that happen? And I'd ask people, like, how did that happen? They're like, we, we, we prayed. And I'm like, I know it says something about that in here, but that is remarkable to see God's provision through the power of prayer, financial gifts, Remarkable growth. Nine years, three campuses. That is remarkable growth. The property of both Cyprus and then the gift of uniting us here in the Tomball community. All of these gifts are amazing provisions of God and his miraculous work that is worth celebrating. Jesus is moving. And by God's grace, if we line in with him, we get to see the work that God's wanting to do. And we don't get to just sit on the sidelines. We get to see the action. We get to be on the front lines of what God is doing. So first, we move like Jesus moves. But secondly, we need to see like Jesus sees. In verse 36, it says this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You see, in order to move like Jesus moves, what happens once we start moving is hopefully our eyes are open to start seeing like he's seeing. It says that he's seeing the people, there's, there's something that happens to him. It says he has compassion for them. That, that is the Hebrew word, splagnitzomai, which is basically his guts. He, it's like saying his guts stirred. We kind of say that language. We'll say, um, I have a gut feeling about this, or that broke my heart. We don't literally mean that our heart broke, or, or we have a our guts are moving, but we, it's a, the deepest part of us that is stirred emotionally. And there's a reason he's stirred. It's because he sees people, he sees beyond the surface, he sees right to the heart. And as he's seeing these people, he looks right into their heart and he has a diagnosis for them. He says they're harassed and helpless. The word harassed basically means um, to fillet or to rip apart. And helpless means to be thrown down. He says, as I see people, it's, it, it's like they're wounded. It's like they're torn apart and thrown down. And I love the translation that they use in this section of, of Jesus had compassion on them. That word compassion in Latin means um, common suffering. It's like when Jesus sees the pain that we walk through, it's not that he stands at a distance and says, oh, that's really a problem. It says that he walks alongside, he walks beside you and says, I will take on the common suffering 
that you're feeling. I have compassion for you. I will walk beside you. And he enters right into their existence, right into their life. And if you're willing to move like Jesus moves, that means you're going to see the pain of people's lives. And that's a beautiful gift that God gives. Because he allows you to move into their life and see their common struggle and offer a common solution. See, every person needs the solution that is brought in Jesus Christ. I don't know what problem you're facing, what problem your neighbor is facing, what problem your friend is facing, but I know the solution is singular. It comes in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can heal every disease, that can heal every sickness. He is the person we come to. He's the person we need most. He is the person we bring as we go into the world. I love this illustration of this example of evangelism. It's not a, a position of superiority. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where to find water. And as we go to people, we say, I know the solution to every one of your problems. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't get locked in the pain. As he sees people, he sees their potential. I think sometimes if, as we look at people's lives and their suffering, their challenges, we, we only see the problems, but we don't see the potential. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And sheep get a bad rap. I was reading a BBC article recently, and, uh, and they were defending uh, sheep. And they were like, hey, they're not as dumb as you think. Um, they're very smart, and they're very social. Like, they're nice animals. And, uh, and that's true. Sheep are very nice. However, sheep are defenseless. And sheep are directionless. They're defenseless. They have no natural defenses. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They couldn't bite. They don't have like the, the lizards like have this thing where they're like, like their things like kind of go and you're like, oh, I don't want any part of that. Like they don't even have any of that. They have no natural defenses. They're defenseless. But they're also directionless. Another BBC article I read said this, Turkish shepherds watched in horror as hundreds of their sheep followed each other over a cliff, says Turkish uh, newspaper reporter. For first, one sheep went over the cliff, only to be followed by the whole flock, according to the report. More than 400 sheep died in the 15-meter fall, their bodies cushioning the fall of 1,100 others who followed. They literally followed each other off the cliff, they're directionless. One went over and they're like, I don't know, is that the right way? I don't know. And they kind of all walk and they all perish, right? Like, except for the thousand that kind of were cushioned by the uh, fluffiness of the other sheep. And, and, and I look at that moment, I, I'm, like, I'm like, that's horrible. And the Bible over and over and over again calls us sheep. They don't have a shepherd. Because we follow all sorts of things. But, but here's, the, here's the issue with sheep. Sheep can be led to their doom but they can also be guided to their flourishing. And it's if they, they're brought the right shepherd, there's something beautiful that can happen. He changes the illustration. He says, the harvest is plentiful, verse 37, but the laborers are few. He said, these people would be willing to respond if we'd be willing to engage. These people's lives could be changed if we are willing to say, all right, the Lord might be doing something in their lives and the Lord could lead them in a different direction if we see like Jesus sees and move into those people's lives. You see, God is giving us an opportunity to play, to be on the front lines, to be on the cutting edge of faith. And I don't know what you want in your life, but what I want for my life is to not hear 
about the stories of what God has done in other people's lives. I want personally to see what God can do in and through us and in and through this community if we are willing to step out and willing to engage with what God is doing in people's lives. But if we're honest, we often miss it. We often miss it. I remember when I was in college, there was one guy uh, who was part of our, uh, I was a government major, and so that's what I did. And, uh, and there's one guy in, in, in this class that I was in. And he was the guy that didn't take good notes, um, didn't come to class all that regularly. But when we were studying for the test, he would come and ask for all of our notes and just be like, okay, can I copy that? Can I do that? And, like, and so he was, he was that guy. And he happened to be Jewish. And, and I said, at, at one point during the last time I was, we were getting together and we were studying for this final, I was just frustrated at the guy. And I said, hey, um, have you ever heard about Jesus? And he's like, you know what? I'm Jewish. Like, I've wanted to know about Jesus. And so we have this great hour-long conversation about Jesus. And that he can, he's died for your sins. And, and if you put your faith in him, uh, you can be saved. We have this good conversation. He goes, hey, we're, we're taking our final tomorrow, but I'd love to hear more about that. Let me write down my number. I'd love for you to call me. Okay. I never call him. Two years later, I'm at the University of Texas. I'm walking down Dean Keaton. And it's late at night, it's probably like 10 o'clock at night, and across the lanes of traffic on the other side of Dean Keaton, four lanes over, um, apparently he's walking by and recognizes me and goes, Kevin, Kevin! Like he remembered my name, I didn't remember his name. And he runs across the four lanes over with, with like this buddy in tow, and he runs over and he goes, he goes, hey, hey, how's it going? Um, he goes, hey man, you never called me, I wish you would have called me, but hey, 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 this is my buddy, we've been reading the book of Isaiah together. And we came uh, to the suffering servant passage. And can you tell us anything about the suffering servant in Isaiah? I mean, it's like the biggest softball. We're like, yeah, that suffering servant, we believe is Jesus Christ. Um, he is actually the solution to the problem he suffered, uh, led to his death so that we might be saved. And so I, I teach that. He goes, man, I'd love to learn more about that. Here's my phone number. And he gives it to me. I never call him. A year later, I'm in a group of people at... Uh, a group of people at UT campus and they're being trained to do outreach ministry to different parts of, of campus. And so there's groups like going athletics or dorms or academic spheres and they're all kind of being trained for this. And I walk into the room and I see all these Christians and then Jewish guy. And he beelines toward me. And I said, Christians, you, what are you doing here? And he goes, I came to Christ six months ago. You blew it. I was like... And then the meeting went on, and after the meeting, he walked up to me and he goes, yeah, man, I had all these questions about Jesus, and you wouldn't answer them. So God brought someone else into my life. He shared the gospel with me. And now, I want to share the gospel with Jewish law students. He was in law school. And I was like, well, praise God that he can work in spite of me. And that's true. God doesn't need us, Right? God's sovereign over everyone's life. He can bring people to himself. He doesn't need us, but we miss an opportunity to be a part of the story he's writing if we ignore what we can be seeing right in front of us. See, God's doing more behind our backs than he is in front of our face, but if we're moving with him, if we're seeing like he's seeing, we could be a part of what he's doing. So the last part that I see in this section is that not only are we to watch Jesus move or see like Jesus sees, thirdly, he's calling us to live like he lives. 
Matthew 9, 38 says this, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. And he called to him the twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every sort of disease. The first thing he tells these men to do is to pray. He says, I want you to pray that God would send workers into his harvest. See, it's God's work. God's working in people's lives. God's stirring in their hearts. God is working all around us. And I believe that in all times, in all places, the issue isn't a problem of people's response to the gospel. The issue is labors to go into the harvest. See, God has people he wants to save. God has people whose lives he wants to change. God has restoration he wants to do, but he needs his people to get into the game and say, will you pray that God will send people into their lives? That he would send people to your neighbors. He would send people to your family. He would send people to your friends. Would you pray that God would send workers into his harvest? So let me ask you, Tomball, how often do we spend time praying that people would share the gospel with other people in Tomball community? How often do we spend praying for the salvation of others? How often do I spend time praying for my neighbors by name? Do we pray But when we start praying, here's the amazing thing that Jesus does. You can't walk with Jesus long before he takes your eyes from him and he lowers them to look at them. Who's them? Everyone else but you. When you look at Jesus and you have a radical focus on Jesus, that is beautiful. And he's going to take your head He's going to tilt it down and said, and will you reach out and love them? And you get to be a part of being an answer to the prayer you just prayed. He tells his disciples, I want you to pray. And now I want you to go. And Bayou City Fellowship has been a gift to this community because that radical focus on Jesus has led us to look out and reach out to the needs of that we see around us. And we've done that both locally and globally. So I just want to read to you a couple things that Bayou City has done throughout its history. The first is this, that um, slavery or human trafficking is not something that just happened way back then. It's a problem today. And Bayou City Fellowship has been a part of partnering with the Freedom Church Alliance to help work alongside those people that are being trafficked. I-10 is a major thoroughfare of human trafficking, and we are part of stopping that in this community. That is one of the gifts that we bring. That's how people are harassed and helpless, and we want to move in and bring healing to that dark place. Overflow is one of the other events that we've had to help um, moms parenting alone. Bayou City Nights has helped to reach out for underserved um, children in our community. We have an English gateway program over at our Cypress campus that they've pioneered. It's amazing. Bayou City Relief and its response during Harvey has been uh, really just, it's like Bayou City lore. I mean, as soon as I got on staff, they talked about your work and help to help people um, in going through terrible circumstances in Harvey and moving in with the gospel and with hands and feet to help people in their, and rebuild their homes. It has been amazing. And we actually have another opportunity right now. There's been another hurricane that hits, right, in Louisiana. And we are sending a team September 25th through 28th. And if you sign up by September 14th, you can be a help of bringing help 
to a hurting people. We have some partnerships um, that, that we've kind of vetted and, and we're going to help rebuild people's homes and help them. It is a tragic um, situation in certain parts of Louisiana. We want to be people that go and help. You can also purchase supplies. If you go to our, our website to um, Outreach by City Fellowship, go to the Outreach page, you can see how you can help. So we want to be a people that goes to the hurting and brings the help that they need. There's also been work globally. We've gone to the Shawnee People Group. Um, it was an unreached people group. We went there in 2016. And as of, as of today, there are 16 baptized believers in that formerly unreached people group. Is that not amazing? You send workers, there's a harvest. We have a, we've gone to Ecuador with ministries there. We have a Bible Institute where we train pastors to go. To go. Launch Global has been training missionaries to go. But not just in our, our actions, also our financials. Early on, this is one of the stories I, I've heard several times. Um, our founding pastor, Curtis, uh, wanted to give 50% of our uh, of, of giving to help other people. And uh, Linda graciously said, uh, you won't be able to eat, my friend. Um, there's, there's a balance in there. But we give away 20% of all of our giving to help those um, that are not part of our church community, to help the in outreach. In 2011, that number was $22,000. In 2016, that number was um, about $927,000. In 2019, it was $2.4 million. God blesses those he can trust. And God will bless you if he can push it through you. Abraham, the OJ, the original Jew, right? Um, he was told, I will give you land, I will give you seed, and I will give you blessing. And through you, the entire world will be blessed. And through the line of Abraham, we get Jesus Christ. When God gives a gift, it's never meant for you alone. God will give it to you if he can push it through you. So what do we do with this, Kevin? What are, what's the application? The first is this. Are you willing to move like Jesus moves? Are you willing to go to the lives of people right around your midst with the gospel of grace? I would encourage you to do something right now, just a little exercise. Get out a piece of paper and draw three circles on it. You have a piece of paper? That's awesome. People run into paper. Great, do it. Paper's this, um, this I don't know if y'all do it anymore, but it's, you could also do it on your phone. Uh, that's fine as well. And, and write in one circle the word live. Write in another circle the word work. And in the third circle, write the word play. Live, work, play. And I want you to just think a moment about the people you interact with in those circles. Where you live, your neighborhood. Who's around there? Do you know your neighbors by name? Have you prayed for them by name? Look at uh, where you work. Who do you interact with? Who are your coworkers? And, and who are they? Have you, have you, do you know their names? And have you prayed for them by name? And play. That may be where you play, like your workout facility or whatever. Um, or maybe where your kids play, if they are doing sports or dance or whatever else. And, and it's, it's actually where they play. And do you know the, the parents' names of those kids? And have you prayed for them by name? The first step to move like Jesus moves is to just go into those normal places where you already are and to say, you know what, I'm going to intentionally start praying for these people that God has already put in my midst. I don't know what God might want to do in their life, 
But Lord, I'm going to pray that they might know you, Jesus. You might restore their broken marriage. And what you might find is you have a neighbor that has just gone through a divorce. You might have a neighbor who grew up in a Christian home but wants nothing to do with Christ now. I've been in my little neighborhood for two months. And those are the stories of my neighbors. What about your neighbors? Do you know their stories and have you been praying for them? Secondly, see like Jesus sees. See their needs. And see how you might meet the needs with a physical thing or a gospel thing. Maybe they just need their yard mowed. Or maybe they need something more. And thirdly, be ready to be the answer to your prayer. God might have you be the very answer to the thing you're praying for. And it's difficult. The Christian life actually requires sacrifice. But there's only two things in life that last for eternity. The word of God, the Bible in your hand, and the souls of men, the person sitting next to you. Everything else is going away. Schools are going away. Jobs are going away. Everything else is going away. Only two things in life will last for eternity. The Bible in your hand and the person sitting next to you. Will you invest your, the rest of your days into the things that matter most to God? Amy Carmichael, missionary to, to India, said this. We have all of eternity to celebrate our victories but only a few short hours in which to win them. Will you move like Jesus moves? See like Jesus sees so we might live like Jesus lives. And pray for us. Lord, thank you that you have birthed by City Fellowship and that we are all here because of the work of men and women before us that have been faithful to you over these years. And thank you, Lord, that through your work, people's lives have been changed. People have gone from darkness to light. People that are struggling have been helped. We have served your community. We have been for the city and the world. But Lord, I know there's more to do. We know there's more to do because there's more people's lives that can be changed by the power of the gospel. So I pray that we would take seriously our opportunity to continue to love and care for the people you've put right in our midst. I pray that we would be prayerful. We would write down those names and, and God, we would pray for them before you. And Lord, I pray that we would also be willing to be the answer to that prayer. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.